Welcome to this week of Missouri Politics from the State Capitol in Jeff City for the last week of session. We are joined by House Minority Leader Crystal Quaid. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. And the Senate Majority Floor Leader Caleb Brown. Thank you for making the time. Thanks, Scott. I always want to tell folks we're taping this on Thursday. So there's a couple days left of session. But right now, you've got some things you can go back to and talk about. Some ag stuff, the budget, some spending. What's the takeaways from this session if it just died right now? Yeah, you know, it's it's been tumultuous, but I think we've been able to accomplish a lot of stuff. The budget, the budget being such a, a, a monstrous undertaking yeah. because of the amount of money, the amount of federal money, and to be able to do that in a fairly, uh, you know, not uneventful way was was a pretty big deal. Uh, you know, our election integrity package, the ag package that we weren't able to get across the finish line last year, eminent domain for private property owners, uh, and then a bunch of other stuff. We, you know, I think we're. 14 or 15 TAFPs in with a number of provisions within it. So, you know, it's looked a little different, but um, I think the end product has been okay. Second year of a session, kind of what the Senate's supposed to do, right? It's not supposed to pass a bunch of laws. No, yeah, and I mean, I think we, we, um, we're, we're learning. I think this group of people is, is learning about each other. It's taken some time for us to figure out um, kind of where you can find your coalitions on certain issues and obviously there are personalities at play that we've seen uh, a few times uh, throughout session but we're getting there and I think we're gonna be we're gonna be fine. Representative, some things you don't like, things you might like in that budget though, right? There is a lot in the budget that we like, yes. Um, one of the things I'm most excited about was uh, child care program funding that we were able to get done. You know, early in the year there was a lot of discussion with the Chambers of Commerce and business owners of what we could do to help them with workforce development and uh, lots of folks wondering what to do. And one of the things that we talked about early on was uh, helping with childcare for businesses and employees. And we were able to secure $20 million in the budget for programming around that. Um, there were a lot of things for my home in Springfield, thanks to my senator. Um, very well. And, and uh, those of us on the House side working really well together. A great bipartisan effort there. Uh, so very, very happy with where the budget landed. What's something you don't like? Now, I'm saying this, there's a lot of things you've been outspoken about that haven't passed. You say, time this interview on Thursday. What's something you don't like? In the budget specifically or just overall? Legislation. Uh, legislatively, you know, I was happy to see yesterday the Senate uh, lay over the initiative petition reform bill. I uh, was, was happy that that one hasn't crossed the finish line yet. Um, you know, there are some, uh, the election bill, while still not finalized, there's some provisions in that that we are definitely concerned about. Um, we'll get to that. Okay, yeah. Let's talk about the initiative petition reform. It feels like to me it might be a little too easy to change the Constitution. But you don't want to make it too hard. It's almost yeah. like the, the three bears. You want to make it just right. Yeah, you, I've always, well, number one, we have a couple of issues for folks who do want to change it. It's hard for people to understand. It's really easy for the other side to say, hey, these crazy Republicans in Jeff City are just trying to take away your voice. So yeah, it should be hard to change the Constitution. I think a simple uh, increase of the threshold of 60% to say, hey, if we want to change the Constitution, so we don't have marijuana language and bingo language in the Constitution, this is what you can do. All this other stuff about signature gathering and everything else, if we put that on the ballot, I, frankly, it'll get crushed because there won't be enough money to explain what we're doing and why we're doing uh, doing it. And so we've got to keep it simple if we're going to get it done. So, Representative, why should those folks not be part of this? Is there not a way you could make this a little harder and make it still fair? I think there is room for discussion around that, but I want to ultimately go back to that question of why should it be harder 
for citizens to be telling us what to do, what they want us to do or what they don't like us doing. We look at the initiative petitions that have passed over the years. Um, there are things that citizens have been asking the legislature to do for a very long time. Um, Medicaid expansion, for instance, is something that folks had been working on for well over a decade and they finally took it to a vote of the people and it passed overwhelmingly. We could say the same for uh, against right to work, we could say the same for medical marijuana. Um, I think it's really unfortunate in my mind that we are having this discussion on the heels of a bunch of times that citizens have been utilizing this. It's almost like retaliatory. There is nobody in this state that has won more competitive primaries and competitive general elections than you. I don't think there's anybody in that legislature that knows how to go get votes from people that maybe you have to convince, not just turn your own folks out, you have to convince people, independents and Democrats, to vote for you. It's odd. You've generally been on the other side of a lot of these initiative petitions that have passed in your district. However, you win every time you run. Yeah, sure. What's yeah, the dynamic a, You know, it, Missourians are, are um, you know, I think they're, they're fairly principled people and they're smart people. And Boone County and Cooper County being a good example, right? They Boone County obviously voted for a number of the things that Representative Quaid alluded to, but they also recognized in, in 2016 and, and even more so in 2020 that you know they want to have somebody there who has a voice who can do things for them and can bring bring victories home for the home community. And so you know I think they're able to be nuanced, but the, not every Missourian is as rigidly partisan as yeah. we are in in this building a lot of times. And I think it's really important for us on the IP discussion to understand that hey, yes, I think we can do things to make the Constitution harder to change, but it's also maybe a wake-up call for us that when Missourians are doing these things that are counter to what we normally do here, we shouldn't just turn a blind eye to that. Let's talk about these elections bill. Big elections bill. I do hear from folks about voter integrity. I, I, you could probably find some other things that, that Donald Trump should be president even somewhere in Missouri. But what, what was, uh, you brought up some, some points about this really expands a lot of power from the Secretary of State's office. It absolutely does. You know, um, in 2020, we actually passed legislation that gave the Secretary of State's office subpoena power over a lot of things within our elections. This bill um, actually adds additional things to that. That does make it concerning for me. You know, when we have elected officials, um, you know, who are in one office running for a different office, um, their, you know, elections are already interesting in that way. And we've seen that across the state. You know, Georgia's a great example. When their Secretary of State was running for governor, we, there were even lawsuits and things around the way that those elections were done. Um, with this specific bill, um, I could go on and on about the things that I have issue with um, from how, whether or not you can register voters, essentially making it so that nonprofits like the League of Women Voters cannot register people at tables anymore. That's a huge problem. Um, but specifically to that piece around the powers for the Secretary of State's office, um, effectively would make it so that if, say, there's his opponent is running, somebody knocks doors and talks to them about absentee voting, and uh, then he could, his office could get a complaint saying, hey, they're trying to register folks or trying to get people to fill out absentee ballots. He could then subpoena that campaign. He could get their voter file records, which what that is is you know who they've spoken to at the doors. They could get the, the voter files themselves and subpoena them. And then there's potentially criminal allegations around that. And there are fe felony provisions in this law or in this potential law that uh, would make it so that then that campaign is under immediate investigation. And so how this kind of plays out is 
let's say he's running for governor, as we all know that he is, and um, his opponent does something and, some, and he says, I don't like that, I'm going to do an investigation into this, and automatically his opponent is under criminal investigation, the press can know about it, and that could really alter a campaign. You do see the Ethics Commission used as a political football oftentimes in a campaign. Most every campaign follows the Ethics Committee as their opponent. For the most part, I think even if they have a, if they have a point, if, if it's the other campaign that gets brushed aside, Breaking it down, though, I mean, frankly, you see election fraud in the big cities, by and large. Is there's got to be something you could do to make folks feel a little better about that. Well, it can be, both things can be true, that there is no question that there is, um, you know, irregularities in every election. There's no doubt about that. I, I think our side um, is dangerous when they really try to call into question the, the institutions of, of the democracy, of, of having fair elections and saying, hey, our, our, our country's not good enough now because, um, you know, maybe they thought Donald Trump won the election or something like that. But it does, that, all of that stuff doesn't change the fact that, that it should be really, really uh, hard for someone to cheat and really, really easy for someone to vote. And that's really all we're trying to accomplish here. Um, but, but I think anybody on either side who tries to um, demonize and vilify, um, you know, kind of our basic core functionality and structure of, of, of governance that's really dangerous. It's not something I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of at all. Talk about something that kind of feels like people that say the Senate's broken, I'm always like, well, it's kind of supposed to not pass stuff. Congressional maps, interesting. I know there's some parts of session left. I don't know that you look back on this process and say this has been a good process, even if it, if it ultimately ends. Well, give an advice. So there's a guy knocking doors this weekend, running for stare for the first time, that could be in the Senate the next time they do this. Give that guy a piece of advice how to handle this. Well, you, you, you better hope that, that you don't have a pandemic that causes your data to be a year late, right? Yeah. I mean, really, at the end of the day, you know, 10 years ago, um, and we t con contacted a lot of folks that were a part of the process 10 years ago, they got their data a year earlier, and were, they were doing their map at this time a year ago, right? And so there was more time built in for, you know, crazy stuff to happen, um, you know, variables to change, et cetera. Would, so, you, would you have called a special session looking back on it? I mean, you know, I don't know if it would have been different. Well, it would have changed the variables, but there would have been, it, 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 I'm not sure it would have all been for the better, right? Like, I think there, there could have been yeah. some good, good changes to the equation, probably some not so good to the changes. At the end of the day, you know, we, we were going to be where we were. You agreed to allow your county, Boone County, to be split. Most folks in the Capitol thought that was a sign of leadership. Probably not how it's not how you'd like it to be. Yeah. But you allowed your county to be split. What went through your mind? Well, I mean, I, a couple of things. Number one, I think the the, the notion that, especially in this environment, you know, um, my my in this scenario would be split between the fourth congressional and third congressional. All of the people who are running in the fourth are perfectly, um, you know, viable and, and perfectly competent. But if I can pick to have, uh, you know, Blaine Luchtemeyer representing half of my county in a bigger county, right? If, if a small county is split. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty. That's a problem for that small county because um, they, they might not ever rise to the top. But a, a county like Boone is going to be one of the bigger counties and one of the bigger population centers in Congressman Luke Myers' district. And so having a guy like that fighting for me, in addition to whoever the new person is going to be, I, I don't think that's a. I don't think it's a big deal. Certainly, it was a part of the equation to help get the map moving, and and was a concession we had to make. But when you step up and do that, though, it is leadership. Sure. Other folks have a harder time complaining when. You've had your county split yourself. Right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, we, we, everybody in this process, for better or worse, is compromised. We're asking for a little more compromise from a few folks, and we're going to see if they kill the map or not. You, many folks think you will be here when they do this again, if you're a state senator. What have you learned from this that you'll take to that, that process? 
I would say that the biggest takeaway for me is how problematic it is when elected officials are running for higher office and then are part of this discussion. Or now want that, to run for higher or, office. Or want yeah. to run, exactly. And, and so, you know, from my seat, somebody who does not have intention to run for my congressional district at any point, um, you know, that, that has been the biggest issue is what about my district or what about this specific person versus the district itself. Um, we hear everyone talk about, well, this congressperson's great, this person who's running for that district is great, and um, my best advice that I could give to the future folks who are here is to take the, peop the electeds out of it and focus on what's best for the communities. Looking at the campaigns, uh, you have to worry about primaries. What's going to be the message, a guy that's going to come vote for Caleb Browden for pro tem of the Senate? What's that guy going to be saying? Well, I mean, I think we've got, I, I, now I'm going to have four years of, uh, of uh, accomplishments and a resume relative to what we've been able to do, and we're going to talk about that at our, at our end of session press conference. You know, the, the, the uh, laundry list of conservative things that we've accomplished in the last four years is really unprecedented. It does get sometimes overlooked by the infighting. Yeah, yeah and, and you know, that's fine, and that's the way it's going to be. Uh, you know, in a job like mine, you get blamed for the bad stuff and don't get a lot of credit for the good stuff. It's a part of the process, and it's fine. Um, but, you know, you, if, if, if we want to, we need to restore a, a little bit of normalcy, a little bit of civility, a, a little bit of just forward-facing selflessness to the Missouri Senate. And, and I'm going to work my tail off in my last two years to make that happen. You worry about general elections, heading into the campaign. What can, uh, what can a person running to be a member of your caucus tell their friends and neighbors? <laughs> we could talk about the dysfunction. And, and I, to the point, I know uh, in his seat, uh, that is the unfortunate position of being in, in the leadership. But the reality is, is, you know, as you said earlier, we were only sitting at just barely over 10 TIFP bills. And while some people may say that that's a win, um, I venture to guess that most Missourians are not going to be thrilled with the fact that we haven't been able to pass legislation. Um, this year, with the budget, we did get a lot of great things done, but we really had an opportunity to do some serious work and serious investment. Coming off of a pandemic, people wanted action, and um, what that, I think that is one of the things that we will be talking about on every door is just bringing back that normalcy. The extremes that are going on right now in Missouri um, are making it very difficult to function here. And we get back to normalcy when we bring back balance um, and we get more Democrats elected so that there is more equalness around this building. Thank you for your time. We'll see you back at it. Thanks, Thank Scott. you so much. ShoreMissouri.com, History of Missouri One County Time. This week we added something called Shore Missouri Rivalries. I went to Wellington High School, met the Class 2A state girls basketball champions, had a great time talking all things Wellington Napoleon High School, I should say. With ShoreMissouri.com, the History of Missouri, and some of the school rivalries one county at a time. We'll be right back after this. All across Missouri, our new car and truck dealers are building strong local economies. When you buy a car or truck in Missouri, you're helping to support over 20,000 Missouri families who rely on the auto industry for good-paying local jobs. You're also helping fund our communities, schools, first responders, and our roads because dealers generate millions of dollars in tax revenue. Missouri's automobile dealers have been the foundation of our communities for generations and for generations to come. The Missouri Automobile Dealers Association, the heart of Missouri. For more than a century, the St. Louis Carpenters Union has shaped our communities. Through trusted alliances, we deliver skilled professional craftspeople while our business partners provide the kind of quality jobs that keep our economy humming. It's a blueprint that has worked since 1882. Turning Missouri into a right-to-work state stalls progress, wipes out jobs, and kills momentum. Right-to-work is wrong for everyone. Let's keep Missouri moving forward. 
Visit carpdc.org to learn more. Your energy needs are changing. That's why at Ameren, Missouri, we're not waiting on the future. We're building it with the Smart Energy Plan, advancing thousands of projects across the state, helping reduce emissions through cleaner energy sources, boost reliability with self-healing equipment, and better withstand storms with new composite poles. Moving Missouri forward and bringing us all a little closer together. That's energy at work. Ameren, Missouri. Welcome back to Week of Missouri Politics from the state capital in Jefferson City. We are joined by our opinion maker panel, Emily Weber in Kansas City. Welcome back. Thank you. Love the blue. Very okay. fitting for summer in Kansas City. It is. Maggie Nuremberg, been on the show before. Welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Jennifer Bukowski, the person that tells it like it is. I'm so glad <laughs> you're back on the show. Thanks for having me. And Pike County's own Chad Perkins. Chad, love the tie. Oh, but the soybean Tell folks tie. what that is, yeah. This is from the Missouri Soybean Association. That Gary Wheeler is a fa fashionable guy, ain't he? Yes, he is. And, and I don't know who designed this, but it's top notch. Right, let's just give Gary the credit for it. All right, tell me something about session you liked. The budget. We passed one of the best budgets we've had in recent years. I'm really excited about the increased funding for public transportation for our schools. I'm excited about, about the increase. time, right? Absolutely. As and a guy that rode the old yellow dog 45 minutes one way, that was a bumpy ride. Yeah, and this is a big thing for our school districts, especially our rural school districts. Um, also, teacher pay. We finally got this across the finish line this year. Chad, tell me something you liked about session. I actually agree with Maggie very much on this, right? So increasing that transportation funding, increasing the teacher pay were both very good things. Uh, I've got seven school superintendents in my district, and I told them, happy to do it this year because we have the money. Don't count on it being there five years from now. But if we have the money, we need, we need to do it at the moment. Yeah. What do you like? Uh, so I am the ranking. I'm going to go different between you two because those well, are all good, good. yeah <laughs> but uh, I'm the ranking member on uh, agriculture committee and I'm gonna say it's the omnibus ag bill uh, we passed a lot of good bipartisan legislation a lot of it are were tax credits that expired last year so they needed to be updated and renewed um, so we, we got a lot of good information that's gonna help rural and urban farmers so it's gonna help all kinds of districts. Uh, I think the guy that designed that tie agrees with you. I agree. <laughs> Give me, now again, we're doing this on Thursday, so things could happen. Give me something you like this year. I liked the public defender getting 24 yep. new staff positions. Public defense is one of the few things that we can solve in government by throwing money at it, but for years the and years. The only it sticks up with little guy against the government. Yeah, it's an oversight on your government as it exercises its most awesome power in locking people away. It's a good thing. It makes us safer. It makes us freer. And for years, we've refused to fund it. Last year, we added attorneys. This year, we added staff. We're finally getting off the bottom of the list when it comes to public defense funding. And I'm very encouraged All by the that. conservatives come up here and add more laws every year. They rarely ever had public defenders defend the public from them. Right, exactly. All right, give me something you didn't like. It is Thursday, so <laughs> there could be something that trumps the list coming up. Give me something you didn't like. Sure. So I've been really concerned about the attacks against the initiative petition process. And again, it's Thursday, so we'll have to see what happens. I'm glad that um, the senators were standing up for democracy. They were standing up for people being able to make these decisions by themselves. But I really question when politicians feel like they know better than everyday Missourians to be able to decide these issues for themselves. Uh, I asked Crystal Quay this earlier. There's some different, folks have different ideas how to change it, raise the number of votes. But right now, it's really not a statewide initiative petition process. You only, nobody ever comes to Pike County. Nobody goes to, to Fredericktown down with that beautiful courthouse. They don't have to ask them to sign anything. Should it not be maybe a little harder, but not too much harder to change the Constitution? Well, and shouldn't you bring the whole state into it? It is already extremely difficult to get something on the ballot. There's a lot of a lot of these that get started every year that simply don't get across the finish line. 
and what's going to happen if we change this to a higher burden in all the counties, we're just going to have this special interests that are better funded instead of everyday Missourians be able to weigh in on these. And that's, that's where my concern lies. Some you didn't like. All right, the tax on our education system. Um, it's, you know, during the pandemic, uh, I, I watched your teachers over Zoom. I, I participated in a lot of different classrooms over Zoom and watched these teachers do these classrooms with second graders over Zoom, and it was it was amazing to watch. And, and our teachers have to jump through hoops already, and so all of the attacks that we're doing on our on our education systems, it's just pushing our teachers out of the system because they're already maxed at their limit. Uh, same with school board members too. I mean, it's a not paid position, and and they're getting so many attacks right now. Yeah. We need to leave it up to our schools to decide on what is. There's happening. a few folks that can't let COVID go on both sides. It seems like. There's something you didn't like. I didn't like that initiative petition reform didn't make it across the finish line. Um, it's almost like the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court of Northern Missouri. There is no Northern Missouri on the Supreme Court. We have to live under their laws. There should be no laws without representation. There's at least uh, two parts of the state who never get a voice in these initiatives what's on the ballot. Totally left out. Right, and we have the easiest process in the entire country to amend our constitution, which gets thicker every year, and that's just not good policy. As a lawyer, to, I'm telling you, to be constantly well, amending our I realize there's some folks that say they stick up for the little guy, the unrepresented. Some of the folks, maybe the post dispatch of the star, they stick up for one specific type of person who doesn't have a voice. They could give a damn about white trash folks in Southeast Missouri like myself. Well, the idea that the little guy is the one putting anything on the ballot is laughable. It's yeah. largely out-of-state people trying test balloons, flying them here in Missouri. With, we saw that with clean Missouri and everything else. Because we have the easiest to amend constitution in the state, I think 60% would be a much better threshold instead of just a mere majority for, to amend our constitution. You didn't like. Scott, she's exactly right. The initiative petition process in the state of Missouri does need to be reformed, and it does need to re be reformed in a way that gives rural Missouri and outstate Missouri an equal voice, not a greater voice, but an equal voice to what happens in St. Louis and Kansas City and Columbia. Because right now you can take that petition to any of those cities, get all the signatures you need, and put whatever you want to on the ballot. Nobody comes to my district and does that. So there's a lot of things that make it on the ballot. Wouldn't my you like district to see would some never old like boy to see. Try to get a signature in Palmyra or Portageville. Correct. I think they might be a little harder to convince. You're exactly right. All right, let's talk uh, Roe versus Wade decision. I, I know it's not final, but it seems like it leaked where they're going to overturn Roe versus Wade. Uh, break that down from the standpoint of you're a woman in Missouri right now. You'd have to drive to St. Louis, probably the premier district. Illinois will be probably in abortion on demand, probably very easy to get an abortion. You drive another 10 minutes. The practical differences for a woman in Missouri, is it more a feeling that a right's being taken away or practically speaking, is it gonna inhibit women from getting healthcare? Well, I think it's really important for folks to know that Missouri has one of the most restrictive laws on the books. So if this ruling stands, victims of rape, victims of incest, children will be forced by our state to give birth. And I think a lot of people are going to find that problematic, Scott. Okay, practically speaking, will they? I mean, will they just drive 10 more minutes to Illinois well, and have an abortion? Well, that's, that's going to gonna be the interesting thing that happens, right? It's going to be, again, those who have the resources are going to be able to continue to access reproductive health care. So in my district, that's just going across the state line to Kansas. So in other areas, in if you're in a rural area, if you don't have forms of transportation, again, you will not be able to, the government will be making that choice for you. And I find that very troubling. I look at it from, from a uh, political standpoint, there's a lot of political implications. From a practical standpoint, I'm not sure, just because of the geography of Missouri, that it's that much harder to get an abortion if Roe vs. Wade goes away than it is today. 
might be easier because of all the restrictions in Missouri. We, you're right, Scott. Right now, the Planned Parenthood website directs people, if you want to get it done in one appointment, drive across the state line sure. to Illinois to their mega clinic. Missouri's abortions have plummeted. We only have a handful but happening But abortions haven't plummeted. Anyway. They now go to different places. Yeah, exactly right. And I think that that's a misunderstanding among the public. I got my hair done yesterday and I had to correct people on this. It doesn't mean that women all of a sudden won't be able to get an abortion. In fact, little will change in Missouri because most women are going to Kansas in Illinois right now anyways for their abortions. Representative, I mean, to me, I can, I've seen people that to me make very personal emotional arguments that there's feel like a rights being taken away from them. From a practical standpoint, I mean, I think you might see more people have abortions because if you go to Illinois, there is, there's a lot of restrictions in Missouri. You have to go through all sorts of um, steps to have an abortion and those don't exist in Illinois. I'm not sure abortions have really went down. They just went to Illinois. I mean, really, if we need, when we talk about reproductive health care, because this is what we're talking about, is reproductive health care. Um, first off, abortion happened before Roe v. Wade. It will happen if Roe v. Wade is overturned. The difference is, it was, is it going to be safe or is it going to be illegal and it's not going to be unsafe and then women are going to die? Um, so just like what Maggie was saying, it's, it's going to affect minority women. It's going to affect women who don't have the funds or the the means necessary to go to the other states to have the, the abortion they need, they need so. Um, you know, this is a person's Explain right. Explain that to me. If you can afford to go, let's say you live in Pike County, you can afford to drive to Lindell Boulevard in the Central West End in St. Louis. How can you not afford to drive to Collinsville? It might even be easier to get to Collinsville. So, so there's different, in different states, like in Kansas, for instance, there's a waiting period. So you have to take off work. Um, you have to go go to Planned There's Parenthood. There's one in Missouri and, yeah. too right now, right? Well, yes, but if you're going out, out of the other states is what I'm trying to say. Uh, so there's a waiting period. So you'd have to take off work multiple times to go there, get a ride there, things like that. Transportation's a big one. Uh, sometimes you might need to find like a hotel room or something that's close by. So, I mean, not all women ha can afford to do that. Chad Burgess, you got a person in, in your constituent who chooses to get an abortion. Uh, I understand right now, if some people view it as their right, I respect that. From a practical standpoint, if Roe versus Wade goes away, I actually think probably as the crow flies, it's easier to get to an abortion clinic if there's only one in Collinsville than it is to get down to the Central West End. Plus, you don't have any of those things she's talking about in Illinois. I'm not sure it's not easier to get an abortion for one of your constituents. My, my, my district does border Illinois. And, but the fact is, this is a state's rights issue. And I'm sure that's what Justice Alito's opinion will say, that these decisions were never to been, been ruled on by the U.S. Supreme Court. It's a state's decision, and I think the state of Missouri will defend the right to life. I think it'll be totally pro-life. Illinois will be totally pro-choice. I'm not sure there'll be one less abortion. They may go to a different state, right? But, but the fact is the state then isn't endorsing it, and that's what makes the difference. Well, we're about to get endorsed off the air. So with a minute left, who won the week? Uh, so I'm going to have to go with a person who is getting termed out after nine years uh, in the House, who is uh, bipartisan. She works bipartisan uh, across the, uh, the aisles. It'd be Tracy McCreary. I don't think she's going far. I think she's going to be going across the hall, right? <laughs> we sure hope. But out of the house, she is getting turned out. Yes, one week. Senators Arthur and O'Loughlin, they got this reading instruction bill across the finish line, and that's a win for all kids in the state of Missouri. I, I thought it was a microcosm of like the snowflake wing of the Republican Party, that somehow the person who's probably the most critical of Desi I've ever met, and Senator O'Loughlin, they had turned on her and attacked her for negotiating, which is what a senator does. It was a, it was a, a bizarre microcosm of where things are right Strange, now. Strange, but at the end of the day, the kids in Missouri are gonna benefit from this. Who won the week? 
You know, I came down here in January and all my friends already wanted to kill each other. I was, I was scared. What were they going to be like in May? But this week I went to an event at the Missouri Times headquarters where I saw a very cool yes. mix of people uh, having a great time. And I would say you won the week for having a great party and bringing oh. a bipartisan, cool group of people together. And we celebrated Scott the birthday Fong won of the a week. terrific Senator and Greg Razor. Does a great job for Kansas City. Who won the week? Well, I think, of course, it was Branson's own Superman, Brian Seitz. I was hoping you was going to say that. Yes. How could he not? I How mean, he, that's always you know, if we didn't end the session without you saying that, I'd be super disappointed in you. Thank you. You, you're, you're, you, uh, you probably won lunch somewhere for, for nailing that hard on. Somewhere but down in Branson, probably. I've got to say James Turner, a guy that worked with us at the Missouri Times for a while. He'd come over to the Capitol. What a terrific piece about his time here. He's a very thoughtful young man. He's got a very bright future. Say, James Turner, we hope you'll win the week. Come back. We'll talk about what all happened at the end of session on This Week in Missouri Politics next week. Join us then. Support for this program has been provided by the Missouri Automobile Dealers Association, Amron, Spire, and Sterling Bank.